So hello and welcome back to uh, another episode of our podcast, Ayahuasca Assisted Therapy. I'm here with my sister, Bonnie. Like she, she is a familiar face for, for you guys. And I'm super happy to come together today. And we're going to talk about responsible preparations for ayahuasca journeys. We talk a lot about the integration in this podcast, but we really want to today focus on some practical guidelines and good considerations that any of you who are listening can do if you are preparing to sit with the mother ayahuasca in, in a ceremonial setting. And, um, you know, I wish I would have known these things the first time I went to the ceremony. So hopefully this will help you guys. Welcome, Bonnie. Thank you, sister. Thank you. Hi. Nice to be back. Good to see you. Yes, good to see you too. So um, I got this idea uh, from somebody, I can't remember who it was, but just giving the credit, you know, that the idea I was inspired by somebody else to ask these five questions of why, what, who, where, and how regarding to the preparation with the medicine journey. So we're going to um, talk through these questions. And, and I think this is a good way of remembering what I need to do before the ceremony, you know, just asking these five questions or going through these five steps. So the first one is, is the why, which is the one of the biggest one, I think. Uh, why are you going to the ceremony? Why are you going to work with the mother ayahuasca? And uh, what is your intention with this? You know, and, and, and this refers to the mindset of the person and the focus of the person who is going into the ceremony. And as we said so many times here before with with the psychedelic medicine, these uh, the set and the setting is is two major factor that hugely influences the experience. So, um, w- what is your intention? What you want to get out of it? And being like as clear and exact as you can regarding this. So, yeah, giving it over to Bonnie to see, to give us some juicy tips. You know, what is a good way to to do this? You know, and how. Mm-hmm. How do you help your clients, you know, to set good intentions? Yeah, thanks for bringing this topic up so we can give some very clear guidelines. And you're right, it's so very important. All of the energy that we put into the ceremony before we arrive is absolutely going to play into the outcome and, and allow for what what we might say is an optimal outcome. Um, with the with the integration process, this is also the integration. Uh, sometimes I break them up, you know, like pre-integration, post-ceremony integration. We're integrating because, of course, we know that the medicine is already working. It's already working, so the integration process has already begun. And some things that I like to focus on when we're preparing for a ceremony would be paying very close attention to what emotions might be arising, what stories or memories or mind loops might be happening. Perhaps even 
somatically, we might be feeling things. We might feel nervous, anxious, excited, and we might feel those things in the body. So often we might refer to some of this as the pre-purge. And the pre-purge might be one of those moments where we were just having a, a very big emotional experience. And we wonder, well, where did that come from? And why all of a sudden did I just have this big reaction to something that maybe is not that important, doesn't seem that important, yet I had this broke down in tears or something like that. I would refer to that as the pre-purge. This is all of the stuff that's been already ready to come, already ready to rise and to to uh, be acknowledged and seen. It's ha It's starting to happen. An example of that would be when I was in the airport one time I was preparing to do a, a very deep training in the in the jungle in the Amazon and I couldn't find the rental car place in the airport and nobody was being helpful they kept sending me in wrong directions or asking me for money and uh, I had a complete breakdown in the airport just tears flowing and like it was the end of the world which wouldn't be perhaps a, a reaction I would typically have in that situation and then I understood pretty quickly after that like yeah that's just the pre-purge that stuff that's already beginning to arise that's ready to ready to be released or perhaps there's something that I want to even go a little deeper into to take a look into, you know, why did I respond that way? Uh, what would be the reason that that intense anxiety or uh, feelings of even abandonment might might be happening in those moments? Because there might be a deeper root there that's already a, pointing to a wound that we're going to be working towards healing and ceremony. So paying very close attention to all of those things. And then hopefully finding someone who can help you unpack those, those moments. So we can go ahead and begin to get into the roots of why it is we're coming to the ceremony. Why have we been called? The other very important aspect in the pre-integration process, of course, is the intention setting. Why are we going? And intention is how we meet the medicine halfway. That's the alchemy. That's where we bring our power, our co-creation to the experience. And we know now... Uh, by the, I think it was called like the double double slit experiment. They've done all of these experiments which showed, yeah, intention matters. It affects outcomes. So we want to, like you said, Nina, get specific. 
the more specific we can get, which means if, if it's perhaps pointing, perhaps we've had some something that came through that said, oh my gosh, there's a wound of abandonment there. That maybe that becomes part of our intention that we're going to uh, want to heal that wound, work on healing that wound, turning towards that. Other things, you know, that might that might go into intention or which seem even perhaps cliche at this point, which I but I think are very important are trust and surrender. And creating that intention of trust and surrender that we're 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 going to step into this experience trusting it, trusting the medicine, trusting that the light of our highest self has brought us to this place, our inner healer has brought us to this ceremony. And when we start to work with that aspect of trust and the surrender, we might find barriers, we might find resistance, we might find there's a lot of fear there. So again, when we have someone that we can unpack these things with, we can then begin to uh, decrease the resistance to the trust and surrender. And that's certainly going to make for a more optical, optimal experience in ceremony because as we know, it's the resistance that creates the suffering in the experience. I like to prepare people for all possibilities. Sometimes there's this expectation they they're they're someone might already be comparing comparing to the last ceremony. I want it to be just like that when it was so beautiful. I saw my soul. I you know I healed for my ancestors and and so we might even get attached to that expectation that it's going to be even bigger and better than the last one. And as we know Mama Aya in the beginning she will maybe be gentle with us she might show us lots of pretty lights and then as we go deeper with her she starts to bring us into those shadows so it's important to uh, understand going into any ceremony that it's all open where the medicine where she wants to bring us uh, is where we need to go and so when we're, when we're able to, in those moments, remember that we can trust it. Remember that we have our allies uh, that we can even call in to be with us in those experiences. That's another part of the work I might do with someone is to have them connect to certain allies. For me, it's the jaguar. And I can call on the jaguar to help me face the shadows without fear, to turn towards the shadows. So even giving people different tools, things that they might be able to bring in those moments into ceremony to help them through that experience. All of these things are part of the pre-integration process. Yeah, how's that for a start? Oh, yeah. I talked a lot, so... <laughs> Very juicy. Thank you for uh, bringing this uh, all up. Definitely. I think 
we always say here that as soon as you say yes to this journey, the medicine is connecting with you and working with you and definitely things arise before the ceremony. And uh, and uh, it's really, really beneficial to have somebody to work through those fears, those emotions, those doubts, those questions, those, you know, resistances, as you said, that, that coming up before as like a pre-mini clearing before the big <laughs> event happens somehow. And... Um, and I like to do like at least like two to three months prep with my clients um, on when they have sessions once a week. And one way I do it is that I ask them to journal. So they send me their weekly journals and I can see a lot of teams that are arising as Bonnie said, you okay, this is something that is really arising or the other issue or relationships or whatever. And then in the sessions, I have them with questions to go deeper in that, you know, what is going on there really to help them identify what is the root of the problem as far as we can see, as far as we are aware. So how to ask for the source of my healing, you know, because there is many layers to healing and, and you need to ask for what, what you are ready for, but also you want to ask for something that resolves your situation. Like sometimes people uh, do not know, um, how to formulate or uh, the 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 intention that they do have or they do not they are not aware what is really possible for them with this journey with this healing with this medicine so for example somebody might ask uh, who has severe depression treatment resistant depression you know help me to accept you know, that I have this and, and, and teach me to live with this, why maybe they can ask, they could ask, okay, help me to see what is causing this, you know, help me so I can become aware what is creating this situation. So I can, and then show me, guide me to change, to let go so I can heal, I can let go. So, so sometimes people need a little bit of assistance to ask the right question or to formulate it in a good way. I really like kind of like the Lakota way of formulating the questions from from a um, like a, a perspective of gratitude, you know, as you have already received people who are familiar with law of attraction is kind of similar idea that okay thank you for showing me you know like how do i keep like self-sacrificing myself you know for example so it's already implied as if it's already happened yeah exactly yeah. And, and and the knowing and the confidence that of course you're going to receive all the guidance all the support all the insights that you are asking for um so I think these little nuances, if you never did this, it's really good to have support, you know, to have a person or a group setting or whatever that, that can help you to go through these steps and process those mostly emotions, you know, because the emotions can, can stop people. And we have to mention here that there is a part of us who wants to sabotage your healing, you know? So, um, 
sometimes that part of us can can intervene you know and prevent people to actually go ahead with their little plan and 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 that that's another reason why it's good to have support um I really uh, agree with what you said that it's it's a delicate synergy and 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 combination of having that trust and surrender that or divine aspect is orchestrating this experience and I'm surrendering to that part of me and what I'm surrendering is my 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 human mindset so to say you know like so um I really had the difficulty with this at the beginning because I didn't understand what surrender is and I understood it from a religious way of giving my power away to some entity outside of me. So I like really struggle with it. But when we understand that we are surrendering to ourselves, but the, the higher parts of us who have more wisdom and more light and more um you know resources then it's it's easier to relax you know because you are not surrendering to another person um and and at the same time having clear intentions that is shaping your journey as bonnie said like you affect the outcome intention affects the outcome so you have a say here and it's important that you use that power you know and you choose what you want so it's sometimes people understand this as contradictory, like either I let go and say whatever is best for me, my highest good, let my higher self guide me versus, you know, having to really get down to the, okay, this is what I, I want exactly. But I think, you know, the whole process of setting the intention is help people to go into that mindset that is really ideal, you know, for this, for this journey. So, I think, you know, the medicine, the spirit of the medicine is listening to all, all, all the sessions, all your work, all your journaling. It's, it's not her who needs the intention. It's really the client who needs to, okay, this is why I'm here. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm focusing on. And, and now I... I let go, you know, so I'm not, not so easy to do, you know, at the, especially the first try, especially with such a powerful encounter as, as, as the ayahuasca. So um, definitely just encouraging people to get support with this part as well, with the preparation and have a, have a team, have a professional who helps you with that. So you are really getting the most out of your experience. Like you are, you know, uh, this is, this is a big deal and, uh, and, and it can really like change your life for the better. So it's worth to take time and, and prepare uh, in a good way. So you, you will, you will, have that you know getting back to you when when you are in the integration when you are on the other side is this anything that you want to add to this point bonnie before we move yeah just to add in a perhaps in some different words uh, we often say we set our intention and then we release it yes <laughs> the because intention can move into the shadow of control and expectation. And when we're, when we're surrendering, we're surrendering control of that experience. Uh, the expectation of what we would like it to look like. And 
if we if we are consistently trying to achieve a certain outcome, a certain expectation, that's what I mean by controlling it. And and that is the control creates the resistance. And like you said, there's a part of us that wants to sabotage that healing. That's also that's the resistance, you know, manifesting in the resistance. So when we set our intention, we then understand we have stepped up, we have done our part, we've met the medicine, we've begun that conversation. And then we release it now understanding that we're dealing with a very intelligent, loving spirit who wants us to have whatever that intention may be, wants us to eventually have that outcome, but it might not be in this ceremony. There may be something else that needs to happen first. You know, especially if it's like, I want to connect, I want to connect into the oneness. I just want to, I just want to connect to my most true authentic self. Uh, and I want to immerse in the bliss and the oneness of all things. Well, she might take you there. But she might take you to some of the places that you need to go first to release some resistance, some shadows, some old contracts, all kinds of things that might be in, in that in-between space. Eventually, we'll get there. We just, she's showing us what we need to do first. I love that. Like I often say to my clients that you always get what you ask for, but uh, most of the time, not the way you imagined it. So, and that's what I think what you are talking about that uh, we have an assumption that, okay, how I'm going to get there or what my experience is going to be. And it's, it's, it's oftentimes it's, it's not like that at all, but then we, we end up where we wanted to go, but we think we know better. And as you said, you know, there is this, this intelligence, you know, and the spirit of the medicine who, uh, knows you know what are the steps that needs to be taken so we can we can get there and and that's really beautiful <clears throat> okay let's look at the the next one is like what is in the medicine i think it's important to talk about this um with the ayahuasca and it's important to know where the medicine has come from how it was harvested um who prepared the medicine with what intentions this might not be um uh, seem seem a little bit crazy maybe for people in the west and saying what does this has to do with anything but um people who work with the medicine you know you start to understand you know that everything has um significance you know and and this is a big part of the preparation of the medicine and then or preparation of how the medicine is being prepared and um and uh, it has an energetic signature and you are taking that medicine. So you are taking that energy uh, inside. And uh, these are powerful energies as we refer to. So uh, let's talk about a couple of things that you have to be aware. Like traditionally, the brew only contains two ingredients, uh, the banisteri capi, which is the ayahuasca wine, and then the chakruna leaves which is the contains the DMT. So traditionally that is normally what's in the brew. 
And if it's if if there is other things in the brew, you have to investigate with people who have more knowledge that why is that? What what effects it has? How does it make difference? Is that suit your purposes? You know, and, and so on and so forth. And uh, and then sometimes people can put things in the brew that they are not disclosing to you. So there can be a danger. For example, datura would be one thing that oftentimes in Peru they put in the brew causes very strong hallucinations and visions. And, and uh, you know, why they are doing that, that's also kind of shady, you know. So it's, it's important uh, that you know what you are served and what you are like communing with and taking into your body temple. So yeah, what are some things that it's good to be aware of with this pony? Well, I want to say, I love that you said the energetic signature. That's just a, a really beautiful synopsis in two words of, of what we're talking about here. You first mentioned where 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 does it come from is it and now there's many people brewing all over the world and the vine is now growing all over the world not just in peru and that for sure makes a difference i've had vines from different areas of the world and they they have their own energetic signature they've got their their own unique feeling It's nice to be able to have medicine, say, we're when we're speaking specifically of iodine, that, you know, she comes from the Amazon originally. I would say that's a really nice thing for someone who is new to the medicine and wants to have that, you know, most, we'll say, what, traditional experience. That would perhaps be a preference. But I would say that in my experience, they all have something wonderful wherever the, the vine is coming from, wherever I've experienced it uh, being grown, even many places in the States now, and the vine is growing. She's, she's weaving her way throughout the whole world now, which is so beautiful. So, you know, just something to consider that we don't need to attach to perhaps one brew or an, another of where it, where it comes from. Uh, just to understand that she, she comes through in a little bit different ways in, in depending on where she's been growing. Like you said, the chakruna would be generally the other main ingredient for other places like in Colombia. It would be with yahe. I believe usually called chalipanga. Um, and so even those two brews are, are very different. Uh, I, what we would call ayahuasca or yahe, which is the ayavine, but different, different kind of brew, different setting, different, very different way of serving the medicine. Other things, of course, like you mentioned, Nina, of what's going in the brew, um, all make a difference. All make a difference. And you mentioned uh, towei or datura. That's something I would also probably be, unless I was working with one of my teachers, 
very specifically who said it was time for me to have that experience and was going to be there with me guiding that experience and I have 100% trust in them, that's probably the only time that I would opt to, to do that. Uh, and then, you know, lots of other beautiful things can go in the group, Bopinsana, Chiriksananga, many, many things. And I've had all different kinds of those blends and they've all been beautiful in their own way. And it's just nice to know, uh, especially if you're if you're someone who's been doing more and more ceremonies. I think it's just a nice thing to know to see what of the other what are the other plant spirits coming in to support your process, so you can connect to them as well. The energy, of course, of the person brewing is extremely important. My teacher told a story not too long ago about uh, how they had been receiving some medicine from their brewer and they'd always received amazing medicine. And all of a sudden, the medicine just seemed, there was just a little different. It was a little off. Ceremonies were a little off. And come to find out later that the brewer was going through a, a very difficult time. And, and that came through in the medicine. So it's very, very important that we make sure that who that the we trust the person that's that's brewing. We trust the person who is who is bringing that brew into ceremony that they have good judgment. It will all come through. It will all come through in the medicine. Yeah, I not just ayahuasca, all of them. Yeah, all of them. But I think it's even maybe more important, you know, that energetic contribution that the people who brew because i remember when i was in the with the shipibos they would like pray on the medicine during the brewing during you know hours and hours and and the grand hours and hours and hours of just being with the medicine praying yeah, all that all that prayer yeah. all that intention went into that so you know, again, just to, to, to remind people that there are people with very different intentions, the, the same way as you can put good intentions into something, you can put a harmful intention into something, you know, what they call brujaria or black magic, or, you know, just an intention that is not serving you or the, or your highest good. And, and that might sound crazy for us, but this is a real thing that, that is uh, real, you know, that is happening and, uh, it, and it, it does have an effect. So I strongly discourage anybody to buying stuff from the internet, from strangers, any kind of bruise, you know, that you have absolutely no idea where it comes from, who prepared it and how it, I, I would just never, never touch anything like that. You know, any legit person who works with this medicine has a teacher that has a lineage that have access to the medicine. Most of the people I work with get the medicine through their teachers, through the tribes, you know, eventually most of them from Peru, you know, but even if it's not in Peru, it has to be a lineage. It has to be legit people. And, 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 and this can be asked about, and this can be disclosed, and this can be checked, you know. So if, if that is not the case, you know, um, definitely do not buy it off the internet and cook it in your kitchen, please. Yes. 
Yes, and it might not even be intentional black magic. It could simply be the indigent, uh, you know, person on the the street in in Iquitos who gets hired by someone to watch over the brew and the the farm, not the farmers market, the the, the big market, you know. And, and they're drinking alcohol and stirring this brew. And uh, it's not that they're intentionally trying to do something to hurt somebody. They're just being completely mind, mindless. Okay. And the yeah. energy of if you've been to some of these markets where you've seen, like, uh, there's so much intense energy in some of these markets. And you see somebody there brewing who... Is clearly, you know, not not trained to do so necessarily in the ways that are going to bring the medicine medicine into a high vibration, and it's absorbing all of the energy in these markets. And these are the ones that are often going out for sale on the internet or to tourists. We want to also, you know, we what you call like the energetic signature. Sometimes we call it like a touch point. Everyone who touches that medicine, meaning if it comes through the mail, which it often has um, the postman, all of the people moving that package from place to place, all of that energy is going into the medicine. And uh, we have, you know, these big movements we call like farm to table or farm to fork. You know, when it comes to the food that we eat, we've recognized how important it is that the less there's transport, the more direct that the, the more higher vibration that food has. And so it's the same with medicine. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, thank you for reminding us that there is, you know, the whole spectrum of, you know, between the light and the shadow. So yeah, it doesn't have to be intentional harm doing. It can be out of poor ignorance, lack of, you know, knowledge, education, but it's all responsibility to make sure because you're going to take that medicine, you know, and then you will have to deal with the consequences. So it's better if if we check, you know, and make sure that it's coming from. And, and then we didn't even mention, you know, giving back to the people and honoring the people who prepared it in a proper way and the energy of exploitation that sometimes happens. So, yeah, there is just, you know, our point is that the, the, the energetic signature, the touch point, you know, is super important just as much as the, the physical ingredients that go into the, yes. into the brew and, and we need to be aware of that before yes. um, we decide to, to um take you know any medicine so uh, just as important you know again it's huge importance who is serving the medicine who will be the person who will like conduct the ceremony like and we talk about i know that there are some people doing maybe a one-on-one -on -one setting but we talk about the traditional ceremonial setting when there is a circle there is a shaman uh, who leads the circle and uh, might be facilitators, you know, or helpers of the shaman, depending on the size of the group. And uh, why this is so important, as I understand, is that the shaman, the person who is conducting the ceremony, is the person who is the keeper of the altar, and, and that's, key, that's the person who is 
creating a portal, a gateway into another plane, you know, of existence, another reality. So, and the the, the person who is creating that portal they they can only open portals you know to which matches their energy so if that person is not very purified and have a lot of personal baggage that they haven't worked through you know like for example alcoholic you know like serious personal struggles or things like that that they will open that portal into a lower realm you know a lower vibrational reality where all kinds of lower uh, energies, entities can come through, creating not necessarily the safest place. And the shaman is the gatekeeper of that ceremonial space. You know, that is the person who has to make sure that they open that portal in, in a good place, you know, for healing and awakening, and also to guard that place. You know, if something happens in that place, they need to be able to respond to that in an appropriate way. And this is many, many, many years of training and experience and expertise. And it's just very, very arrogant, I think, you know, from any people who took medicine a handful of times, and they call themselves like shamans, and they they have the courage to to uh, serve this medicine to other people i think really have no idea what they are doing and what they are you know opening into and uh if you read you know even probably castaneda but other people who were really deeply into shamanic practices and and teacher plans they write a lot about what happens to the shamans and their families and like serious, you know, like, like telenovela style things going on because, you know, there are all kinds of portals open to all places, beings coming through. So again, this might seem very bizarre and sky fight, you know, for a Western person, but this is, this is again, a real thing. And, and it's extremely important, you know, that, we trust and uh, a good person, you know, with this responsibility to open that portal and to hold a safe place for our journey, you know, because uh, that that is that is um, that is why we have the shaman, you know, to create the space and to hold us in that sacred space. So yeah, I'm I'm curious to know, you know, what you think and. Well, I would say the who is serving the medicine is they're all important. It's probably the most important. Just like, I mean, you, you said it so beautifully. They're the keeper of the altar. They're creating the portal and they can bring us into a higher vibration or into a lower vibration. And it does sound crazy, but absolutely there might be some psychic war shaman warfare going on in, you know, certain areas of the, the jungle and that might even come into a into a space it's it's not unusual to hear these things if you're doing medicine work in certain places in the in the jungle i like what you said you know that it's it is a you know it, there's a certain amount of big ego involved that you describe as arrogance that of for someone who thinks and it happens all the time hear these stories. I took ayahuasca three times. 
They went to the jungle. They found some Joe off the street to take them to go find where they can buy ayahuasca. They bring ayahuasca back and they start holding ceremonies. I'd say it's a combination of arrogance and ignorance. You know, I, I don't, I'm just not sure that some people, maybe they just don't know any better. Maybe they just are not aware even of how important this is. We're talking about, these are like the doctors, they're the surgeons, the people that are holding these spaces. And why somebody would think they could go do a surgery on someone or bring somebody into the operating room without going to medical school first. Uh, you know, maybe it's a, it's probably a combination of those two, two things to varying degrees. Yeah, because I, I believe if people would be aware, they wouldn't do it. Like, you know, I wouldn't do it because I know what can happen and I do not feel qualified, you know, to do that. Yeah. So another aspect that, you know, anybody, even if we're talking about Western people who serve medicine, because I talk to a lot of indigenous people and they, they, what their um, perspective was that they are not against uh, Western people or not indigenous people serving the medicine. What they were against is these charlatans, as you described, somebody coming from another culture and taking this, you know, without any permission, without any um, training. Initiation. And exactly, because, you know, I mean, you yourself went through traditional training, you're still going through. So uh, maybe maybe you, you tell us a little bit like that, because how it is working, you know, when you get permission, when the altar is passed down, you know, how, like, people can ask this question, who did you learn with? Who is the lineage you're working with? How long you're working with? How many times you were there, you know, for how long period of time? What what kind of work did you do? These are good questions to ask because if somebody doesn't have this kind of background, they're going to be like, uh, uh, I don't, you know, like I, I don't answer that or I cannot answer that. So tell us a little bit about how this is going when you receive permission. How does that, you know, that process looks like? It looks different according to which lineage, of course, and which teacher. For many of the traditions, there will be a series of what we call master plant diets. There will be a very long master diet with ayahuasca. And all the purpose of these master plant diets is to then be able to call upon those plant spirits as allies in the ceremony space. Certain shamans get trained more to work with certain elements even, like to bring in more fire element or water element. Um, animals, of course, different animal spirits. Like uh, there's, you know, the more allies and, and tools, of course, that, that someone has, the more that they're, they're, they're going to be able to handle any situation that, that may arise in this space. They're also going to be able to create that very safe and sacred con container through the prayers, through the, you know, the creation, the opening of the sacred space, that, that ritual that's involved through the egros themselves, the songs that are sang in ceremony, through the use of, of various things like mapacho uh, or the chacapa feathers, 
many, many different tools that we need uh, when we're working with any kind of medicines, holding a space for any kind of medicine. And if if somebody doesn't have that kind of training, I, I, I don't you know, know what, what they're going to be doing when these situations arise, because certainly they will. And of course, this is why we hear sometimes the things that we do, the, the adverse events, the, the sad outcomes even sometimes that we might have uh, in a ceremony, mostly resulting in someone who is now more traumatized than when they went in, in one way or another. Like you said, Indigenous versus Western, they, they both have their value. I, I have had, you know, experiences with, with a vast array of, of shamans, tribes, lineages, Western providers. And again, it's, it's the space that the person knows how to hold that, that enables one to deepen into that space and to have a, a safe and graceful journey. It's, it, to me, I, I find beauty in all of them. So a lot of times people will say, you know, well, I really, I would like to try this, but I, I, I can't get to Peru and I really got to go there. And I think that's the way it should be done. Well, I disagree with that. I think it's great if you can. My first experiences were in someone's living room in California. And they're, they were still looking back some of the most beautiful ceremonies that I ever had. And some of the deepest. So it's always, it's always about the space that's, that's being held. And the experience and the intention of the person that is holding that space. Also, what kind of help they have in this space. The helpers, right. the space holders, the musicians. All of that makes a very big impact. And we're talking about setting, you know, all of the different things that come in with setting. Um, and even even down to who are the other people that that person attracts into the ceremony space? Who are you sitting with? Yeah. All, of this, all of this depends on that, that person who's serving the medicine. And, uh, you know, just like some practical considerations. So, you know, as Bonnie mentioned, this takes a lot of years of study and discovery and, and traveling and, you know, training and experiencing that, that, that you can confidently say that I'm ready to hold space for another uh, people you know are the other people in a in a safe way and and it's a huge honor and responsibility and definitely you know comes with with the permission so i would say that for me one of the biggest red flag is like how long people do this you know if somebody says like oh i'm that that like presents themselves as a as a provider, you know, of, of, of these experiences. And then they tell me that two years ago they had, they were an accountant and that's what they did in their whole life. And then suddenly, I don't know, something happened that, you know, jolted them and they went down to Peru and then the medicine told them that this is their life path. And, you know, like, so I, that, that would be huge red flag, you know, because, um, 
because this really takes time, you know, and 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 even with with uh, just that traditional thing, most people who I know, like you know, like you, like other colleagues, like us, like you are trained in so many other related things. Like I know you were a nurse, your staff, you know, I was a psychologist. We have multiple trainings in alternative healing, like beyond shamanism, you know, that, that, that all, you know, supports us, as you said, this toolbox uh, that we are building up and that takes time. So if somebody had a totally different career and then suddenly recently they become this, like provider or shaman or open the retreat center, you know, like that's not necessarily the person that I would trust the most, you know, that they have the most expertise and experience, you know, uh, in this field. So, and you can definitely, I encourage people to ask these questions, you know, to ask how long you are doing with this, where did you say, who did you say, who gave you permission, what lineage, what customs, like, and, and, and people, like with integrity like like yourself are happy to answer this and happy to give all the information and, and share while somebody who is not necessarily the right person they will either not want to give you the information or it's gonna you're gonna feel it that they are trying to you know make up something you know for to to answer so and and you're gonna probably pick up on that so it's 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 extremely important you know to to, to really uh, take get great care of choosing, you know, the right person because of all these reasons that, that, that Bonnie mentioned as well. And if you have problems with that, then just ask the universe to show you the way and to lead you to these people. And maybe you are listening to this podcast right now when you are connecting with us and other people, you know, in our, in our uh, little mini um, environment who 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 might be a good match for you so just just ask for that set that intention that i want to work with the person who is in the highest integrity you know the the purest of heart you know as much as possible for <laughs> humans right but as much as possible that is my intention that is the people i want to connect with that is the that I'm calling into my life. So, so also the, you put forward that intention, then it's easier to find these people because most likely these are not the people who are advertised all over social media. <laughs> yes. All right. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, just to, to add on to that a little bit, um, if, it, it's I would say the red flag, like you said, Nina, it's it's the the attitude of the person who who's answering those questions. If they are not approachable, that would be a red flag in and of itself. If if you don't have access to them to ask that question, that would be a red flag. If the person has a big ego about it, like, why are you asking me? Obviously, I'm wearing a white shirt and I've got my beads on and I have, you know, my feathers and my hair. And clearly, I'm a shaman and I'm, you know, meant to do this. And, well, that would be a red flag. Uh, resistance to somebody even telling you what would be in the brew because maybe they don't know. Uh, if you really want to test your, your shaman, ask them what 
strain of the vine it is because there's several different strains. Maybe that doesn't so much matter. Maybe you wouldn't understand, you know, on the other side of that, what answer they gave you, uh, what that might mean. But if they don't know the answer to that question, that might be a red flag. Yes, yes, good ones. Thank you for, yeah, I, I, I will do an article on this of the red flag. I think we did a podcast before we that. We did. I think we've done a few. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> this is like okay. clubhouses and whatnot. So very, very uh, you know, close to this. Who is serving the medicine? We're coming to where is the medicine served? And that's, again, huge controversial topic. But the same idea here, you know, the set and the setting we referred at the beginning. So the setting refers to the environment where the medicine is taken. Obviously, traditionally, it's taken in the jungle, in nature, you know, in that setting. But as we said about the brew itself, um, the environment, or if it's in a building, if it's inside, if it's in somebody's house, you know, that energetics like will hugely influence um, the whole experience. So where is, is the location? Where is that space where the ceremony is held? And what is that space is used for? Because normally they have a separate ceremony space. Like I personally wouldn't want to live in a ceremony space. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like energetics, you know, that's for a different thing. And uh, so you, you need to make sure that you have in ideal case scenario, a separate space that is dedicated to ceremonies and it's a healing space and it's a sacred space dedicated for this reason i think in nature that would be the best option not necessarily in peru but like anywhere you know where um these experiences are available um i i i never drank in an apartment or in a flat i cannot imagine i would feel like i think so claustrophobic because you know i had i was introduced in the jungle so for me it's like so just it's attached to being in nature not necessarily the amazoners but just like deep in nature so i have no idea you know bonnie will say more of that you know how how is that compared but definitely where is the like what is the space used for who are the custodians of that space and what is it normally used for and then how does that space is being prepared for for this event which is come back to you know the person who is uh, orchestrating like she he or she is the person who's setting up the space normally so what is that we need to be aware of when we are talking about environment mm -hmm. yeah uh we're talking about a recipe that's infinite in nature. And there's of course an interplay. So as we bring in the pre-integration work we did, our intention, the type, the medicine itself, the person who's serving the medicine and now where is it being held? All of those things kind of balance in a way, right? I have, had ceremonies in the most epic places in the jungle in a maloka where there's crystal grids placed there and the most beautiful indigenous uh, shipibo maestras who are have brewed the medicine all day 
and you think, wow, this is just ideal. This is just the most epic setting. I'm going to have the most deep journey of my life. And actually, all three of those ceremonies for me were like, yeah, it was okay. I liked being in the jungle. It was nice. I've had ceremonies in... Uh, in, in different houses, you know, when we're talking about where different different areas of the of the world where I've sat, where the shaman was so incredibly powerful, the space was cleared so beautifully. Everything that probably the whole energy of that space itself just held something magic about it. Uh, many I've been in many many magical magical homes. And I've had the most deepest, most profound ceremonies of my life, you know, in, in somebody's literally in somebody's living room. And as far as, you know, like, is it a separate space? You know, you're talking about is it a separate space dedicated to that? Is that ideal? Yeah, it's probably ideal. Is it the end all be all? No, it's, it's definitely not. It, it, it really comes down to such a combination of things. And I think ultimately the intention of the people that hold whatever that space is down to, are they doing it for money? Like, let's get a group. Hey, let's get a group of people together in our house. We got this shaman who just flew in from Brazil. Let's get him over to the house. Let's get a small group going. We can make lots of money. And, you know, well, that's, you know, perhaps not the best intentionally held space uh, versus, you know, somebody whose dream it is to hold this space, have a home where they've held this space, where they love this medicine so much and they have a deep personal relationship with somebody who serves that medicine and they create, like I've experienced, a family, you know, who, who come and sit together year after year after year sometimes two, three times a year uh, for one particular circle. It's been 10 years now sitting with the same people once or twice a year. And I would say for us, it, it doesn't matter so much. We've, we've met in Airbnbs and all kinds of weird places at times and still some of the most epic, amazing journeys of my life in those particular settings. Who was there, of course? You yeah. see, you know, my mind already formatted because, you know, the, my first experiences were like so like determining, but like that's really interesting what you are saying. I wouldn't have thought that, you know, that I, I would have thought that, you know, if you are, for example, in a city environment that that would have like a negative effect, you know, the noise maybe from the streets or stuff like that. But as you're saying, maybe maybe that's not a factor, really. It can be a factor in a way that's even perhaps supposed to be there as a part of that experience in some way. You know, different medicine, but we had a certain situation, uh, and this was when I was in Thailand, and the it was for different medicine, and the men were outside doing yard work. It was just all out, you know? <laughs> And it was just one of those situations where it was, that's just how it was going to be. And 
at the end of that ceremony, you know, the person that, that received that medicine said, I'm never going to hear lawn tools the, the same way again. Like they're so magical. They're, 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 they're like the most beautiful sounding in, you know, instrument. They were an integral part of my experience. So we just never really know at the end of the day, we have to trust the divine orchestration of the medicine. We do everything we can to make it ideal. And then we trust whatever that divine orchestration is. If as long as we feel okay inside about it, and we've talked about this many times, right? Like everything can seem perfectly ideal, but if we, if we feel like mm -mm, something's just not right about this, it's not just my own fear. There's something else that's telling me this just isn't right. At the end of the day, you know, if you step into any space and you get that feeling, listen to that feeling. Yeah, definitely. That's kind of, you know, anyway, or conclusion, follow your intuitive guidance. But again, you know, that, that can be hard for people. I find, you know, a lot of people not connected, they cannot discern that voice necessarily, as you said, that is this my self-sabotage, you know, fear kind of thing, talking, is it my higher self-intuitive guide? So some people, especially at the beginning of their journey, they, they cannot tell so well, you know, unfortunately, that's part of their journey but yeah that would be amazing. which is why they would call you or get out of or you know or, or yeah. someone if, right? you cannot, if you cannot discern yeah then definitely have help with that absolutely and um and i totally i totally agree you know that the energetic setting up the space because you are going into an energetic space you are not going really in a physical place on this journey so the the people who are preparing and holding the space and ultimately the shaman who is leading that ceremony right um will will make it like the space yeah, exactly you know? there's a lot of love put in that space yeah that's really talked to me what you mentioned because i have friends who offer their home for many years now and it become this little community space and they live there and and it's exactly as you described there have deep relationship with the plant lots of love they want to offer this space so people can you know come and heal and have in a safe place so absolutely, you know, uh, and, and, and then it could be the other way around as well, as you mentioned, that somebody is doing it for the wrong reasons and that will have like an effect as well. So, um, okay, that's very interesting. There's always something to learn. So the last question to ask is like considering the practical details of the how you're going to do all this, you know, if you're going... Uh, to travel to another country if you're staying in your country maybe you're going nearby somewhere like there is logistics that you need to organize and practical things to take care of uh, obviously that we're not going to go into a very small detail but one thing I really wanted to point out is that take time off you know, just take time off if you, especially with this plant, if you decided that you want a journey with this plant and you're serious about it, 
then you cannot squeeze it in between like Monday and Wednesday and like normal life is going to just go on. Like it's not, I I feel it's not respectful even with yourself, with working with the plant and stuff. And, and it's, if, if, if this is your first experience, especially, you know, I work a lot with first timers. It's good to have, you know, uh, even a piece chunk of time, you know, before and after, like like kind of free from your daily duties and obligations so you can really stay in that receptive mode as long as you can in that expansion receiving still you know after the ceremony and 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 you can focus on yourself you know a little bit and and uh, instead of just you know running to an experience a ceremony or retreat and then you know, ceremony is Friday night and Monday morning, you know, you are back to work, like nothing happened and and, and all of that. I, I just feel that there is a huge benefit if you really dedicate time and you say, this is important for me. So, so I'm going to focus on this and concentrate on this because this is, I want to show up hundred percent for myself. Then you're going to receive that back from the medicine versus Oh, I just run off to a medicine ceremony and I'm back to my uh, little hamster wheel, you know, not really thinking, reflecting or pausing, you know, with my life uh, before or after the ceremony. I think it, it, it makes it hugely different and, um, and it's good to, to, to give yourself time to, as we said, to prepare and go in and then you come out as well. Like, I uh, my clients come to Mexico and I ask them to stay minimum one week after the ceremony in Mexico before they go into an airport. Like I cannot imagine going. I've been actually on an airport after ceremony like once, you know, like traveling and it just came out this way. And uh, you can do it, but it was horrible <laughs> experience. Like I mean, like you are just in not in that state that that's what you want to deal with. You are just so sensitive and open and all that energy, all that noise. So it's harsh, you know. It's harsh to go back to a city, to the business, to the noise, to the distractions, to the media. And it can be very jarring and shocking sometimes for people. So I, I just, yeah, that was kind of my point here. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, what, what you want to say about that and what, what you think, you know, people should consider in terms of like more the practical aspects of the preparation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, first of all, you used the word jarring, which was the word that, that kept coming for me because I've had so many people use that word, especially in relation to the airport very jarring experience to be in all the the lights and the the people and the you know yeah so delay as long as you can you know I would say the first 72 hours are really super crucial if you can at least give yourself 72 hours I think that's when we're doing the most deep rewiring is during that time I call that like the serpent phase or the we're still shedding a lot of old programming. We're still doing some very fast, you know, intense reprogramming during those times. So the more we can be like the serpent with our, our belly on the ground, our belly on the earth and very still and quiet in our minds and not 
even going out and talking about our experience yet, you know, spending very quiet with ourselves, nurturing ourselves, nourishing ourselves, being in the nature, being in the water, hugging the trees, all of these things. That absolutely is the most ideal situation for at least those first 72 hours. Um, and yes, a week, even much, much better. And if there's more time beyond that, all the better that we devote ourselves to uh, the integration process, which can often just get forgotten about if we go right back to our normal lives and just pick up where we left off. Um, is it always going to be catastrophic? No, not always. If you know, sometimes that's just what people can do. And if they're still feeling very cold and at least they're going to you know, give themselves some time through, throughout the, the coming days to dedicate to integration, uh, at least to be doing that. Uh, but I would say, ideally, uh, at least the first 72 hours to give yourself that time. Mm -hmm. From there, you can maybe trans, then it's a good, nice thing to transition back slowly. <laughs> yes yes definitely and you know i think part of the preparation is to prepare for your integration and just super emphasizing is have support for the integration have like a, a, a therapist if you can if you if this is a possibility for you have like a professional integration therapist like bonnie or myself or there are other people specialized in this and um have that support and also you can have a lot of like there is ton of groups now uh, online free integration circles and stuff i i do not i do not know how what they are actually doing so but i i see that there are more and more offerings even very affordable or even for free if you can't work with the therapist have a, like a supportive environment as much as possible or some friends or close people who are supporting you in your journey and um, I know like I, I my program is one year long integration so in that framework what I observed in the last six years working in this way that the first four weeks uh, with the ayahuasca you are in that window of opportunity the first four weeks after that's how normally how long it takes in general for people to that huge expansion to kind of come back so i think that first four weeks is like this window of opportunity when you still have access to so much coming through and happening that if you can be present and quiet and 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 feel it and and hear it you know and look at it then you just keep receiving so much more and i think a lot of people are not aware of this. They so focus on the ceremony experience in that state and when they are like tripping and they are in the journey. But after there is this really this like sweet spot when if you can take time, you know, and focus on this, you receive like invaluable uh, things. And if you go straight back to work, to your family, to your kids and 
looking outside, dealing with things you need to deal with in your everyday life, you're not gonna notice, you're not gonna not gonna hear it, you're not gonna register all these things because they more subtle. So I think that's why it's important that you are aware of that, you know, that this, this, this open receptive space is happening uh, long after the ceremony, you are in that mode and, and you want to take advantage of that. That's super important. And then having like support in the integration, because normally what happens is that the after the afterglow, people start to like move back the old patterns, you know, and the old behaviors. But after the ceremony, most people feel, oh, I'm fine. I don't need a therapist. Like all is good now and everything. But I assure you, we all need a therapist. So <laughs> don't be sad. And this is to think about and set up, you know, uh, in advance. And I think both uh, Bonnie and myself work in a way that we do both the prep and the integration. So normally I have clients, you know, who come before and I, I have them to prep, then they go for the experience and, and then they come back for the integration. But there are other ways, you know, and other practitioners as well. So yeah, really encouraging you to, to, to do that and to uh, know that this is, this is, you don't have to do it alone. Uh, first of all, and and you 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 don't know what you are heading into. You don't know what's gonna happen. Like I had absolutely no idea. It went beyond my wildest like dreams, expectations, like everything. And uh, um, I definitely needed the support, you know. And I was already like a trained therapist, you know. Like when I went with this, and I went like I had some experiences before with other other modalities so so it's not a weakness it's not the, the medicine it's a it's a it's a synergy as Bonnie said before and it's a cooperation of you and the medicine and your helpers physical helpers you know your therapist your the shaman the the all the it's 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 a beautiful co-creation of this experience and all of these aspects are contributing and they do matter so it's good to think about it before and not after you know especially not after like a experience that went bad because you you didn't take the time you know to think about these things before yeah yeah i love that you you know you are including the preparation for what's going to happen afterwards in the pre-integration process it's you know, that's absolutely one of the most essential things about the pre-integration process, of course, like when we know we're going to be going into ceremony is what are we going to do on the other side of that? What support systems do we have? What resources do we have available to us? How much time can we take? What can we do with that time? Even, you know, setting up a perhaps a, a commitment with yourself to say, you know, every day I'm going to take 30 minutes or an hour or 30 minutes twice a day to journal, to reflect, to connect with the ceremony and with, and with the experience and to sit with it. Uh, and and even, even one or two sessions with somebody who is very skilled at, at helping others integrate these experiences is 
truly invaluable. It really is going to be able to bring something uh, to the, you know, to the perspective that, you know, most people are not going to be able to do on their own, especially if they're just beginning to work with medicine. So, yeah, prepare for the after the ceremony as part of your preparation. Like it's, it's just part of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, you know, just to mention that what I really want to bring through to people that it is a journey, it's not an event. I think uh, that's one of the main misunderstanding that people are so focused on the ceremony, the ceremony, ceremony, and that's what matters, that just we have to understand that it's in a context, the ceremony, and it's a journey, and it's the preparation, the ceremony, which is that initiation, and then the integration, which is the embodiment of everything that happened. So this tree goes together, and it does take a longer time. It's not from one day to another. It's not from one week to another week, you know, because, uh, you know, things happen like step by step and in layers. And um, and and you are the most important uh, player in this whole story, and you need to participate. The medicine, the therapist, the support group is not gonna do the work for you. You have to put in your work. And I just always say to people, you will get out what you put in. If you put in your hundred percent in the prep, in the integration, the ceremony and everything, uh, you will get everything that you asked for and more, way more beyond what you thought is possible. Um, so, and, and if you, if you just expecting all the people and the medicine do it for you, then you will, you will see, you know, like what, what's going to happen with that. Then just leave it at that. So you are, um, it's a participatory process and it's a process that that takes some time so that would be something I really wanted to kind of emphasize what are you thinking sister you know that some points that you really want to bring through before we finish with this today hmm. you know I feel like we've given a really complete uh yeah, explanation here as to the basic essentials. Of course, all of these can be, each one of these five elements can be multiple podcasts unto themselves. We're just giving them all in one concise little bubble here for the, you know, for the purpose of this particular podcast. And I think the questions were spot on and we've been able to really cover the, the very important things. Yes, thank you so much for being here, sister, and doing this together. Um, so I know that, um, like you offer, do, do you have space to take people on now? Do you offer like a, a little bit? A little bit, okay. A little bit of space. Do, yeah. Do you offer yeah. a little mini consultation for people who, who they have, uh, people who have questions, you know, about what, what your program I, is? I sometimes do, yes. Uh, a lot of what I do is just if somebody contacts me through email, you're going to first receive my intake form, which is uh, very extensive and is a wonderful tool for self-reflection. 
And that's the way that I like to get started with people. A lot of times by the time people get through that intake form, they go, okay, yeah, I can, I already now see where we're going to, you know, be able to at least have a couple sessions or something together to address some things that I never even thought about before. So yeah. that's where I like to start. And, and I'm open to working with people to being flexible in whatever ways I, I can be. Yes, yeah, that's important. Another, you know, little note for people, if you do not have to fill out an intake form, that's also yeah. a thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, so that's great. So we will give you, as always, like um, the the website. Um, Bonidivinama.com or which one is your website? It's, uh, it's awakenascend.com awakenascend.com sorry <laughs> yeah so we're gonna put it in the description obviously so yeah please connect with bonnie if uh, if all this resonates with you and you are looking for support also you are in the texas area can we say that if somebody yeah, yeah, like cool, like want to personally go to but we both work you know via zoom as well and yeah, yeah feel free to reach out for a consultation i do free consultations for people who are interested to do the my program as i said it's a longer program it's a little bit of deeper dive you know for serious seekers so and 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 we have also um, the integration groups on uh, Clubhouse every uh, two weeks on Mondays when we have an interactive room. So if you have questions about anything or you want to share your experience, like come join us on Clubhouse. You can get you know the link from through my website avatarhealingarts.com. Uh, do you have any uh, group things that you are involved with, Bonnie, or you are offering? I, I have some some ceremonies that I'm doing through the Medicine Church that is uh, very close to me here in Willis, Texas, uh, called Ancestral Spirit Tribe. I'm, I'm working with them right now. They're a legal medicine church. So I have some group experiences coming up through them. Nice. And, uh, you know, things will pop up as they, as they will. I also have a retreat coming up in the end of January in beautiful Bacalar, uh, right near where Nina is. We'll get to see each other then. So yeah. uh, those are the, those are the most exciting things that are coming up in the near future. Yes, yes, yes. So please uh, connect with us, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel here and spread the, the, the news. If you have people who might be interested in this, please share this video and uh, hope that we see you in the next episode coming up soon. Thank you for listening. Please uh, give us comments, you know, how did you like it? If you have any questions or any topics that you would like to hear about, like I would love to do that. So until then, thank you, Bonnie. Lots of love. Thank you, Nina.